0: What's going on? This is Sean David Grant, CEO of Stars, and you are in the field with Trackstar Sports. Yeah!
1: What's happening? J Kills is the name. Catch me here. Star Talk, each and every Saturday. That's how we do it. We discuss everything about your America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, on Star Talk, right here, Trackstar Sports on Anchor. Yeah!
0: Hey, this is Rickson said with Trackstar Sportsman. I am um, back with a great, great buddy of mine, man, a, a phenomenal sports um, analysis, man, like um, or oh, analyst, I'm sorry. This guy is phenomenal, man, and, and, and you know him already. We've, we've introduced him before on the show. Um, bought him out, talked to him before um, plenty of times already, um, but th- this guy's phenomenal, so every time I get a chance to bring him back on, I'm excited and elated to do so. I am right here with Ed Robinson um, of the Robinson Report. Um, Ed, how you doing, man? here. can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, nothing much. Uh, How you feeling today, Rick? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Hey, um, so I I mean, there's a few different things going on in the league right now, man. Um, I just, I just want to kind of talk about it, man. Um, so. Everybody is going to be buzzing about this Warriors-Rockets series. Like, that's going to be the next big buzz. Well, it's two big buzzes that's going to happen, but that's going to be probably the biggest of the two um, games, at least in my estimation, So, or at least the closest, right? Um, How do you feel that series will play out, and what chances do the Rockets have to beat the Warriors?
1: Well, I think the Rockets have a, a good chance of beating the Warriors, but I think Golden State, their offense is really too much. This is really going to be a game of um, – it's going to be a matter of who makes the most shots because we know Houston, Houston all season long and well up into the playoffs, they've been strong on the offensive side. We know about Chris Paul. We know about James Harden, who most likely will win the MVP. And, of course, Trevor Ariza and Capella and the rest of the crew, they're so good offensively, but – um, Houston really showed their true colors on the defensive side in the last series against Utah. So it's going to be a good series, but I think Golden State has more weapons on offense. And I think when it comes out when it when you break it when you break it all down, Golden State's offense is going to really prevail. And I have Golden State winning in six.
0: Oh wow, wow! So do you see? Um, is there any matchup at all? for Durant? Is there anybody on their side who can possibly give Durant a problem or a challenge? Maybe the
1: po- the closest person I could see is possibly it would be Clint Capella, because Capella plays such a strong series against Utah, especially on the defensive side. He has the best chance of defending Durant. I don't think he'll stop him, but he'll contain him at, uh, at points throughout uh, much of the series, but that's the only person I could see that could really make a Uh, A strong, uh, make make a strong uh, stand against uh, Kevin Durant.
0: Mm. So you don't see a a situation where um, maybe Ariza is on Durant or anything like that. You see Clint Capella being the guy.
1: Yeah, I think Capella's just been stronger defensively all year. Ariza is solid. I mean, Ariza is much better on the offensive side. Ariza's good defensively, but Capella has been so strong defensively, especially during the postseason thus far. And as I mentioned earlier in the last series against Utah, so it's clearly going to be – I think Capella's going to be the, the the one that has the best chance of stopping Durant.
0: I felt like that rookie gave them fits, man. I felt like that, that rookie um, gave gave them problems. And because he gave them such problems, I think when it's time to now face four All-Stars – um. I think I think Houston's gonna struggle, but they've never been great defensively. Like that's never been their calling card. So they always look to outscore you. Um, did you did you okay? So I we talked about this on the show this week, man. Did you see New Orleans? Did you foresee New Orleans getting beaten five games?
1: No, I actually had them going a little uh, deeper in the series. I had them in a seven-game series just based on the way uh, the Pels were, were playing. Anthony Davis was on his was on his A game. Rondo and Holiday and um, Mirtich and um, the, the whole crew—they all played outstanding. And I said to myself, hmm, I didn't think New Orleans was going to win the series, but I had Golden State winning it in seven, I thought the Pelicans were really going to challenge Golden State and and make the series longer. But I wasn't expecting a five-game series. But I really thought that even though with Golden State winning the series, I think the series would have even been more entertaining if Boogie was playing. I think if DeMarcus Cousins was in there, I I would have loved to have seen the matchup with DeMarcus Cousins and uh, Draymond Green. That would have been interesting.
0: Man, I'm one of those people who believe that Miritich – I think I'm, am I saying his name wrong? Mirachik? Yeah, you're oh, saying his
1: name, Mirotic, yeah.
0: Mirachik, I think he gives them a, um, I think he gives, this isn't in my opinion, right? But I think he mm-hmm. gives New Orleans a better flow to their offense than when Boogie's in there. I know Boogie's a dominant player who gets a lot of rebounds, Um, and, and I know he's been, you know, he he's phenomenal. He's, he's an all-star for a reason, but I feel like Mirachik's, does something different for that offense and allows it to flow like for instance um when I'm looking at and I know during the season New Orleans was probably was actually one of the leaders in points per game right like I know that at the same time I feel like with Marichicks they're able to spread the floor a little bit more I know Cousins goes out for his threes but I feel like Marichicks hitched them more and so um I felt like I felt the offense flowed a little bit better and against Golden State I thought that with Mursick there, they actually did a better job than they would have done with Boogie Cousins there, because I feel I still feel like they're still trying to figure that out.
1: Well, you gotta understand, before Boogie got hurt, the Pelicans were actually a higher seed. The Pelicans could have been the Pelicans could have been the third seed. The Pelicans were actually in a position to be the third seed had had not he had not got hurt. I think the Pelicans would have stayed there because they had like a six or seven game. Winning streak before he got hurt. I agree with you. Meritage is a better shooter, but in the playoffs, you got to have more bodies. You got to have more bodies in the paint. And when you're playing a team like Golden State, Draymond Green is basically a, the muscle of that team. And I just think that you know uh, Dray, Draymond had outmuscle Meritage and I saw Meritage out um, behind the arc a lot and um out in the perimeter waiting for rebounds and the only person that was in the paint was, was Anthony Davis, but I think even he got out muscled by Draymond Green. So if Boogie was in there, I think a lot of those offensive rebounds would have not happened for Golden State. I agree with you that the flow the flow does change because you get more offense you get better shooters, but I think Boogie is just a little bit more valuable.
0: Okay, okay. I respect that. I respect that I respect that. Um What I'm thinking about next year is, do you think Boogie will be back?
1: I think he will be back, but I know he's going to want more money, and rightfully so. I mean, he's he's an all-star. He's a superstar. He's um, an all-star caliber player, and he definitely deserves his money. So I know Boogie will be a free agent. Rondo is going to be a free agent as well. But Boogie is top priority. If they want to get ahead at least for the next three to five years and compete in the Western Conference, They've gotta get they've gotta sign the Marcus Cousins. That's like top priority. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. If if they don't, then the Pelicans are gonna really they're gonna really they're gonna be a playoff team, but instead of them being a possible third, fourth seed, they could be going right back to a seventh, eighth seed.
0: Wow. Wow. That I believe that. Okay. So you think this Warriors rocket series is done, right? I mean, your mind, you believe that the Warriors have that is going to have that series with no problem.
1: Oh yeah, so, it's, it's done. I mean, again, like, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's a game it's going to be a battle of two great offenses, but I think Golden State is, has more firepower on the offensive side, more shooters than Houston, and the, the dub the dubs are going to take it in
0: six. Okay, so let's now look at the next series then. Cavaliers-Celtics, which I believe will be a closer series than people think. I honestly think this is going to seven. But I don't want to – I want to get your opinion on that before I I make that statement and i stand by it. Celtics, you know their team. You can kind of look around and see how well-rounded their team is and you know how great their coach is right now. Do you think that they – can do what no other Eastern Conference team has been able to do in the last seven years, which is stop LeBron. They can do it, but it
1: won't be this year. I've got I've got Cleveland and seven. I know Boston, Boston is younger. They're the much better team than Cleveland, but in the last series, Toronto was the better team than Cleveland. Toronto was the number one seed and we saw what the Cavs did too. Toronto, not just LeBron, but just the supporting cast with J.R. Smith, Kyle Corver, Kevin Love, uh, Jeff Green showed up and made some important shots. Boston is young, and I think within the, in, within the next three to five years, the Celtics are going to make some noise in the East Conference along with Philadelphia, but I think this is this is going to be a close series. It's going to be a fantastic series, but I've got Cleveland in seven. LeBron is still the best player in the world, and he's, he's going to make his presence felt.
0: Now, Here's my here's my thing. If they go to a game seven, and the game seven is in the is in um, Boston, I have a bit of an issue with thinking that LeBron wins that. And here's why. I think the reason LeBron was able to do what he did to Toronto is because he has their heart. And and people will say. You know, well, that's not analytical. Well, okay, I'm going to give you this. When you get a chance, when you watch Toronto play outside of them playing LeBron, they always play better. I mean, they've been a, a better team. They were a higher seed on purpose. They're a complete team. If you look at them outside of them playing LeBron, but if you remember what um, DeRozan said at the end of last year's series when he was like, if we had a LeBron too, we would be winning championships as well and so they don't have a LeBron and when they see LeBron for some reason I think they lose heart in that situation I think LeBron came in and once they lost um once they were up and then they lost but I game winning shot even before then I think LeBron stole their heart man and I just think that they don't believe they can beat LeBron however this Boston team no fear I don't see a bit, ounce, or a little iota of fear in them. And I think that will propel them. It'll, I think this series will look a whole – even you you said it. I think this series will look a lot more like Indiana. Because I think Indiana is a – I think Toronto is a better team than Indiana.
1: But, but Indiana is a much better team defensively than Toronto. I think okay. Indiana has got more attitude than Toronto with uh, Collison – Stevenson, and uh, Oladipo, more, I mean, Toronto was a better team, but Indiana got more, and the Pacers just had more, more um, attitude Hard. to them than they did defensively where were much better. And I think Boston has that same attitude. They do. And again, like I mentioned earlier, Boston is much younger. They've got... Two rookies on their team is uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Again, the Celtics are great. The Celtics are going to have a—they're going to have a run. They're going to have a run for at least, like I said before, the next five to ten years. We're going to see them in Philadelphia, lock head to head. I just think that right now, like LeBron is, is hot right now. He's hot, and finally his supporting cast is getting hot too. With Kevin Love, uh, J.R. Smith, Kyle Corver, his shot is going through. Um you got Jeff Green, he's knocking his shot down and then uh it was a it was a nice trade. I think we're finally starting to Cleveland is finally starting to reap the benefits of that trade with uh George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, because George Hill is a solid defender. George Hill used to play for the Pacers, so it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be one heck of a
0: series. Okay, okay. I'm I'm excited about this series, man. I wanna see I wanna see how well um George Hill does in this series against Scary Terry, because I feel like watching Terry Rozier play, man, he is on a different level. Like right now, he's on that type of level where I felt Rondo was when Rondo was becoming a part of of that um, big four. If you remember when when Rondo at one point was just like a a piece of the team and then all of a sudden he came into his own and became um, a a scary member of that big four in Boston, I think Rozier is kind of in that place where he's becoming a part of of what's going to be scary about Boston in the future. So, well, if he's still a part of Boston in the future, because I know his trade value is going to be through the roof. But, okay, cool. I I believe that that will be a a really, really tight series. Um, You say um, Cavs in seven. Um, I'm going to go there with you. I'll say Cavs in seven as well. Um, I know it's scary what's going to happen. You know what I mean? If they go to game seven, I'm really going to be scared for LeBron. But um I think at the end of the day the King pulls it out. So I think we're both on the same page, Cavs and Seven. All right. Um let's move on to the NFL just for a second, man. Um something's going on with our hometown team, bro. Um, and we gotta talk about it because I mean it's it's national news and it's the off season for the NFL, but you know the NFL never sleeps. Um, except for, you know, <laughs> periods of time when players aren't misbehaving but somebody is misbehaving um well at least allegedly so mark ingram has been um caught with performance enhancing drugs and not caught with them but he tested positive for them so my question is how will that affect the saints going forward and and how much more will they now lean on kamara
1: well i mean as it, far moving forward they really leaned on kamara a whole lot last year ingram 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 went over a thousand yards last year, and he was fantastic. But you can really see the momentum shifting towards Kamara, just because he's younger. Um, and this is, if I'm not mistaken, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the final year of Ingram's contract, so this year is a contract year for him. So he clearly wants to stay in New Orleans. But I don't know about the way the way uh, Kamara has that played, he played in his rookie year. Kamara right now is more valuable. He's quicker. He's more of an all-purpose back. Ingram can catch, but with Kamara, you can do so many more things with him. Put him as a fifth receiver, as a sixth receiver. So clearly, doesn't hurt the Saints in the short term. It hurts them, but I think they'll be okay because Kamara will fill it will fill in nicely and will be will be the um will be the primary back. It does I don't it won't hurt them as far as training camp and minicamp or preseason or anything like that, but I think the Saint, the Saints, you know, will be okay until uh, England comes back from this uh, p- potential suspension because he's trying to appeal it.
0: I feel like, um, and I know he, I know he has appealed, and I, uh, last time I checked, I thought his appeal was denied. Um, and I don't know if he's going in for a second appeal or anything like that, but I think he'll actually serve the suspension. My thing is this: he was playing likes out last year. Like he looked faster, he looked smaller he looked like um, an absolute threat. Like he looked like somebody who you did not want to deal with. There was a reason why both of them went to the pro bowl. And the reason why is because he was that he, he, he caught the ball out of the backfield extremely well. Right. And he ran through the tackles extremely well. I always felt com- comfortable with the fact that he was there for Kamara because Kamara, in my opinion, gets in these spells where he's not as effective. So, at least that's what the last time I saw him on the field, I saw like these spells where he's not as effective running through the tackles. I don't know. um, I don't know if they'll go out and get a veteran running back, but they said they wouldn't. Do you think Kamara is ready in year two to really take over completely and be that featured back? He's ready. We
1: we saw glimpses of it last year. He's ready. You know, uh, this past uh, season, he was voted the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and he showed a lot of promise. I mean, he again he opened up a, a lot of uh, windows in the uh, Saints offense, you, not just on the running side, but the receiving side as well. And we the, the proof was in the pudding last year. We saw it in in the in the playoffs. He made I mean Ingram Ingram made contributions in that uh, wild card game against Carolina, and certainly. Kamara really made his presence felt in that playoff game. So he's ready. He, he is
0: definitely ready in year two. So what type of back do you see Kamara being at the end of the day? Like when we, when we wrap his next year up, at the end of next year, will we say that Kamara is an elite running back in the, in the NFL, very similar to a Ty Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott um, along those lines, or a Le'Veon Bell? Or will we say Kamara is a really good um, scat back, very similar to what, you know, we thought Reggie Bush used to be or or um, or any of those running backs like um, – what's the second guy in Minnesota? I forgot his name. But is he going to be more of a scat back, or will we say this guy is an all-around running back, more similar to, to the great running backs right now?
1: Oh, he's definitely going to be similar to like a Todd Gurley or, or, or Le'Veon Bell. Because especially more towards like Le'Veon Bell, because there were many games last year where Kamara didn't rush more over a hundred yards, but he still made his presence felt on the receiving side, similar to a Le'Veon Bell. So I think in in this season you're gonna have uh, Kamara fall in the same category with 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 uh, Le'Veon Bell. Don't be surprised if he could go uh thousand rushing and get close to a thousand receiving. So he's gonna he's gonna be put
0: more into that category. Wow. Okay. Um so I I think um I think you know definitely Mark Ingram will serve that suspension and we'll see. We'll see what Kamara looks like um taking over that feature role. They said they won't go out and sign a um veteran, but I know the Saints and I feel like they will sign um a veteran once it's time. Now they won't sign a veteran who's gonna give them Adrian Peterson vibes. But they are going to sign somebody um, who's going to give them something, at least in the meantime, because Sean knows what it's like not to have a running back. All right, um, last thing, man, the Saints draft. The Saints made one of the boldest moves in the draft, the most memorable move to take their first rounder from next year and their first rounder this year, package it, and move up to the Packers spot at 14, and then they select Marcus Davenport. How do you feel about that?
1: I was disappointed. <laughs> I was okay. very disappointed because, the, and the reason why I say that was because, you know, Drew Brees just signed a two-year extension during the off-season. So yep. my my immediate reaction was, okay, well, if Drew gets hurt this year, if he gets hurt next year, or if if Drew says he wants to continue to play and past forty, and if the Saints say, well, you can you can uh, play some someplace else, we're moving on. You gotta have somebody to, to back them up because the last time I checked, their backup quarterback was a, a guy who played was also played on special teams. His name was a uh, Taysom Hill. So I really thought that the Saints would make the move for J- for Lamar Jackson because if the Saints would have made the move for Lamar Jackson, you know, two years behind Drew Brees learning a system, and then with Lamar Jackson possibly taking the reins, they have Alvin Kamara. You know, the the, the ship the 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 shift in the offense would change dramatically. I was like, that would have been so much funny. Then when I saw who they drafted. I said, who is this guy? <laughs> I was like, who is Marcus? <laughs> like I was like, who is Marcus Davenport? Because i never heard of him. And they showed the highlight reel, the the highlight footage of him, and I'm like, okay, he's he's nice on defense, but my first reaction clearly was, they got to answer a question in the uh, backup quarterback because. You know your your future Hall of Famer, your Super Bowl MVP quarterback has two more years left, so should at least try to go after. If not Lamar Jackson, you ch- you could have went for Mason Rudolph because both of those guys were still available. So I just didn't I didn't like the move, but maybe they saw something that we we didn't see.
0: All right, well here's here's what I saw. Um, and look, I'm I'm in Atlanta. You know where I live, man. I turned on the radio, bro. Here's what they do: they play the clip from when Roger Goodell announced the pick. As soon as they play that clip, they start hollering, laughing at the fact that the Saints drafted Marcus Davenport. They think it's the funniest, most stupidest, boneheaded move that the Saints have ever made. And they are so happy with the pick. It's beyond awesome out here for them. So I'm at the barbershop. Guy comes in, he said, man, y'all got Marcus Davenport. Man, I thought y'all was moving up for Lamar Jackson. I was scared out of my mind. And y'all going to pick Marcus Davenport? Bruh, I was so relieved. And when he said that, I kind of felt the same way a little bit. Right? I felt the same way you felt. I'm like, I knew Marcus Davenport going in because I knew he was just to most people, he was the second-rated defensive end in this um draft. Right? Now, if they made the move for Bradley Chubb, I think people would have felt a little bit better about that. Does that make sense? But it makes sense. me and you both know, we both know what the Saints have had to deal with at the defensive end position for the last four years. Since they lost Junior Gallette, they have not had a steady presence at the opposite um, end of Cam Jordan. Nobody, right? So Hold they on. haven't right. had – remember um, Kakaha didn't pan out, right? Alex Okafor got hurt. He's coming back from injury this year. They've mm-hmm. keep, they keep, you know, bringing in these people. George, um, uh, what is it, George Johnson? He's not the guy, right? And, and even and, and even further back, Alex Brown, who used to play for the Chicago Bears. Right, not the guy, right? And so mm-hmm. they keep looking at that spot, and, bruh, it's, it's steady, empty. There's nobody there. There's nobody who you fear on that side. Nobody. And people, if you can double Cam Jordan, you can stay in the backfield forever, bro. I think Sean Payton is tired of that. He went out and he tried to get, um, he he was thinking about getting Ziggy Onthoff. They franchised him, right? Um, He was thinking about getting um, the guy from San Diego when when he went off, right? But they franchised him too. And so every single pass rusher who comes available on the market, the Saints can't grab or get. So they haven't been able to to get one of those guys in free agency. They haven't answered that question in free agency. They haven't been able um, to trade for one of those guys because people won't trade those guys. And now, except for the fact that the the Buccaneers got JPP, I don't know how that happened, right? But on top of that, the Saints just haven't been able to, to strike gold on that side. They saw Marcus Davenport, they saw an answer to a problem that's been plaguing them for too long. And so, yeah, for them, they gave up on a chance to get Lamar Jackson. And if Lamar Jackson becomes Michael Vick 2.0, then, or I'm sorry, 3.0, because you got to count Michael Vick 2010. So if, he,
1: if, he's, <laughs> oh,
0: if he's Michael Vick 3.0 and he's that guy and everybody in the league is talking about him and he's the man for the next 10 years, oh, we going to feel that, bro. We're going to feel like yeah, Yeah, you're right about that. And, again, that was just tough because I said,
1: okay, they moved up. Because uh, uh, any time you see any team move up in the draft, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this quarterback's going to pull, pull the trigger yeah, and go get the quarterback. Or, like you said, maybe because Bradley Chubb was gone. Bradley Chubb was taken yep. by Denver. He was gone. So the next best impact player that was available to be drafted was Lamar Jackson. And I said, or okay, Derwin James.
0: It. I thought it was for Derwin James, honestly. Or Derwin or Derwin James because the Saints needed a lot
1: of help in the beef on the uh, in the secondary as well. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, if Lamar's not taken, then Derwin James will be will be the next available pick. And as soon as the commissioner got there, they said uh, select Marcus Davenport from UTSa. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like okay because I'm sitting there watching. And I'm like,
0: let's go look him up.
1: I still look them up because I again, like I said before, I said if any team moves up, they're going to get the most, the next high impact player that everybody was talking about yep. a, a team need. And I, and I agree with what you said. They, the Saints, needed help for a long time on the defensive end side, but you know you have you have an aging quarterback. He he's got two more years or two years left on a contract, so you would want to bring in the future. But I guess maybe the Saints see something in Taysom Hill. I don't know.
0: So, bro, I wrote an article about, um, about Taysom Hill. And the, the article was really, do the Saints really believe in him? And I said that if you, I said this in the article, I'm saying if you see them making an incredible leap for a quarterback, that means they don't really believe in him. But if you see them passing on a chance to get quarterbacks and they're not going out and get a young talent at quarterback, they really believe in him. Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. And it's not yeah, it's that. not a game or a joke. He loves that kid. Mm-hmm. And he runs the 4-4 and the 40. He's a fast kid, right? He's a tough kid. We know that because of you know his his play on special teams. And he believes that he's learning and picking up the system very well. Sean believes in Taysom Hill. So he doesn't feel like he needs to go out and get – the only reason – I think the only way I think he um, he goes out and gets a big-time quarterback is if that big-time quarterback feels to him like Andrew Luck. True. Yep. you're right. So I think he. it. I think he believes in Hill. Now, we don't, <laughs> but we're going to see this offseason because we've only seen him in special teams. That's the only reason why we haven't. We don't really
1: believe in him or see much in him because – We've only seen him on, on special teams,
0: so but the Packers have seen him in um, in the preseason, and with them, he looked really good.
1: Yeah, but just remember that's you know preseason is basically kind of a warm up, like a, like a, a scrimmage. <laughs> it's basically just to get the ring rush and
0: get a get a roster slide, you know. <laughs> You're absolutely right, man. I mean, hey, um, I I don't know, I don't know. Uh, I want to trust. Based on what they did last year, selecting the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year, we want to put some trust in, in um, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, and we want to say, okay, guys, we trust you. And Jeff Ireland more so than both of them, right? So we want to say, all right, we trust your decision, we trust where, you, where you're where headed. Um, but this could be one of those decisions where we're like, nah, man. Every, everybody in the world says it's a horrible decision. You think – and I think this is why people are, are grading this draft so horribly. They just got – they were ranked the 32nd um, – out of all the draft classes, their draft classes ranked 32nd on NFL.com right now. The reason oh, wow. that is mm-hmm. – yeah, yeah, that's horrible. And the reason that is is because of that move in the first round. Now, here's what people believe. They believe that the Saints always think they're smarter than everybody else, that they know something the whole world doesn't know. So because they're so smart, right, they're going to outsmart everybody and make a move that most people wouldn't make. Last year they were right because they went out and got Kamara in the third round, right? And they moved up to get him and gave up a second round draft pick for him because they believed in something nobody else believed in that strongly. And also so in the
1: think, first round, they in the first round too they took an offensive lineman.
0: Right. They took Ryan Ramchek and everybody believed that they should have went a different route with that, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody knew that. Well, I mean, most if you're a Saints fan, you you know how fragile um, Teron Armstead is, right? So you know that he was going down at some point. Right? So, you know, they, they needed him. And I mean, they were very smart, man. Ramchek had a phenomenal season. Um, Kamara had a phenomenal season. Alex Sanzalone looked like he's gonna be somebody. Marshawn Lattimore is the defensive rookie of the year. I mean, hey, who can doubt him, right? So the question is, will they be right at the end of the day? I mean that's that's something we both don't know. But um let me ask you this question. Out of ten, how much do you trust Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis with this decision? On a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna
1: say I'm sorry, but they I say I would place them possibly on a six. Give them uh, on a scale of
0: one to ten, possibly a six. Okay, okay. So you give about a six and you believe in about six. Okay. Okay. Um I'm gonna go about I'm gonna go about seven. I'm gonna give him some. I'm gonna give him a little bit more trust. I'm. I'm scared, and I think we all are. I'm scared, bro. I'm scared because I'm gonna tell you what made me scared: watching Marcus Davenport in the Senior Bowl and watching him in practice. Now, if you watch him in the Senior Bowl the actual game, he did well. He got a sack really early. Um, he pressured the quarterback a lot. He's he's he looked like a force, bro. He really did. And so, um, he's six foot seven. He runs the four five and the forty. He's a monster. This reminds me of when Houston selected Mario Williams over Reggie Bush. So that may be the deal. He may actually be pretty good for a long stretch of time, but only time will tell, right? Um, Right. But for right now, I I, I, I don't like it. I feel like they could have moved up. I I think the part that people really don't like is not the selection of Marcus Davenport. It's not that. It's giving up the number one for next year.
1: Yeah, because that, that hurts because when, cause I was looking at the prospects. I think next year's draft, the, the quarterback, and see, the thing is the quarterback class is definitely not going to be good in next year's draft. Next year's draft is primarily going to be uh, defensive players and running backs. So you really don't have a selection of quarterbacks to choose from in next year's draft. This was the year that the Saints had to get a quarterback. They at least get to get a backup to Drew
0: Brees. So, but, I mean, if they really believe in Taysom Hill, then they already have their guy. Sean Payton said it. He said our next guy is already in-house. He said that. And so, um, if he really believes that, then, you know, I guess we'll see in the preseason, man. But, man, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us, man. Like, your knowledge is always on 10, man. You're always phenomenal. I love talking to you, bro. Um, Tell them about the Robertson report, man, like you – like you do, man, tell them about the Robinson Report and tell them where they can find you, Ed.
1: All right, sure. Well, again, my name's Ed Robinson, and you can find me at therobinsonreport.net. It's your website, your one-stop shop for all your scores and information from all the uh, four major sporting leagues, and as well as we cover other sports as well, such as track and field and tennis and a variety of other sports as well. So that's the net. Go there and get all your scores and information and check it
0: out. All right, thank you for joining me, man, and um, and I'll let you know when it airs, bro.
1: <laughs> all right, no doubt, man. Then thank you, man. Appreciate the love. All
0: right, one. Bye, bro. Hey, everybody, it's your boy Demo. For all of you who listen to the Outsiders Edge and you own an Android device, do me a favor. Go over to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app now. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android devices. You can search for the podcast you want to listen to, select them as your favorites, and have them just a click away. So make sure you set Trackstar Sports as a favorite so you can listen to the newest episodes of The Outsider's Edge each and every Thursday. Again, the
1: app is the Podcast Republic and it's available now for your Android device. Go get it.